Welcome to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. Social media is hard, but trying to do social media as somebody else is impossible. Do you struggle with imposter syndrome? Do you hate seeing yourself on camera? Are you unsure of what platform to be on and how often to show up there? Well, join the club. On every episode, you'll hear a real life person talk about their successes and struggles on social media, how they overcame their own insecurities, and they'll give practical insight for you to apply today. So if you're ready, let's start the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Social Media Mindset. And I, I kid you not, this is the episode that you need to listen to. Probably not one time. I don't even know if two is going to be enough because in all the conversations that I get to have about social media, everybody wants referrals. But the only thing people know how to do is put their hands out and start begging like they're on the corner, and it is such a bad look. And so you guys are in luck because I found the one human being on this planet whose superpower just so happens to be getting referrals without asking. And so, guys, welcome to the show, Stacy Brown Randall. Stacy, I am so excited to have you here today. I am thrilled to be here as well, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Yes. And and so will you just, because I, I, I could read a bio, right? And I could make it so like, no, it doesn't matter how cool your bio is. When somebody else reads it, it just feels dumb. And so <laughs> can you, like, can you just give us in 30 seconds, like, who are you? And this may sound, sound weird, but why should we listen? Because we should, but, but why should we? But why? Yeah. So, Okay. So you already said my name, Stacy Brown Randall. I'm the owner of Building a Referrable Business. The number one thing that people need to know about me is that everything I do, everything I teach, everything I'm passionate about helping business owners be more successful is because I don't want them to endure what I endured many, many years ago when my first business failed. I am a card-carrying member of the Business Failure Club. It's not a club anybody else needs to join. We got yeah. enough members as it is. And so when my first business failed, I was like, okay, this is terrible. I'm back in corporate America with the J-O-B. How do I get out? Started a second business. And I knew I had to figure out the business development piece. I had to figure out filling that pipeline of prospects of people who would want to become clients. I did not do that well with my first business, hence one of the reasons why it failed. And with my second business, I was like, wait, everybody else is getting referrals. I need to get some of those. And that was my journey. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I hated all the advice that was out there. And I have no problem being a contrarian to how everybody else teaches something. And I happened to learn through that journey. I've got a knack for reverse engineering what's actually happening and then creating systems and processes around it that others can actually do and feel good about doing. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, running a business or being in sales, like it's tough. So if we can make any part of it easier then we should. And that is always my get, my goal. Well, I, I, I love this because I, I too am a, in a member of the, you know, failed business club. And, uh, and so I, I totally relate to you. Uh, I am interested. I don't know if, if we need to get into this story or not, but I thought it was fascinating that you made it four years and then it felt right because most people would say, man, you got to four years. 
right? So like most companies don't make it pass. Yeah. How, why are you so terrible? Right. That's what they, <laughs> and, and so I, I think this speaks to if, if a year four, it doesn't work, there was obvious issues and you serve people well, but they weren't reciprocating, you know, the value that you'd given through giving you that referral. And, and so uh, I, I just, I'm so excited for this conversation. And you, one of the videos that I was watching of you, you said, you know, you shouldn't have to compromise yourself or your relationships to grow your business. Yeah. Why? And and now you're decade of doing this. Like, why is there so much ickiness around the word referral when it comes to like how we think we have to get it? Well, and I think it goes back to how we typically teach the sales strategy. So if you go back and like, I don't know how many years you have to go back, probably not that many, but definitely if you go way back into sales training, that's been around for decades, people teach sales like it's a two-legged stool. They teach you've got your prospecting activities you do, like networking and cold calling, right? And joining leads groups and things like that. So you've got your prospecting activities you do on the prospecting side. And as a very specific mentality, short-term mentality, go to this networking event, try to meet somebody who needs to hire me, right? And then the other leg of the stool is your marketing, right? You, you've got to be a thought leader. You've got to maybe get some earned PR. You got to have a website, and both are good. Like there's nothing wrong with prospecting and there's nothing wrong right. with marketing. But for decades, or I would say generations, people who taught referrals taught that referrals had to fit into one of those legs. And either your referrals had to fit into prospecting, short-term mentality, how fast can I get to the referral? Oh, well, the tactic then would be, of course, let's ask or let's compensate or let's network and always be seen. Or no, wait, referrals has to fit in marketing, right? You'll hear people say like referral marketing. And I'm like, that's not a thing. But people say, oh, no, referrals fit in marketing, which meant now we're going to be gimmicky and we're going to be promotional and we're going to put in our email signature. The greatest compliment you can give me is a referral. So for forever, people who taught referrals taught it within this, hey, sales is prospecting or marketing. Referrals fit it into one and put your stake in the ground. I just happened to come along and I was like, you know, when you pay attention to what's actually happening, when a referral is happening and the science behind what is actually happening, yeah. referrals don't fit in prospecting or marketing. It's a three-legged stool to your sales strategy. And you have to be intentional about that third leg because referrals are completely different in terms of how we generate them than it is a direct mailer piece we're going to send out. That's all salesy language and trying to get someone's attention. With referrals, you don't ever talk to the prospect. So you should never be using sales language. You're talking to the referral source, which of course is the person who is referring you or has potential to refer you. So everything about your referral strategies have to be different. I love it. And and for those of you that don't know, a two-legged stool is not sitable. So it is very wobbly. That's right. So I I wrote down I, Guys, I, I told Stacy before we started, like, I don't usually do a lot of research. You know, I want to have very raw conversations, but I did a lot of research preparing for this episode because the, the, the nature of the topic is just so incredibly powerful and, and nobody's using this. I guess, well, I shouldn't say nobody. Everyone that's gone through your programs is obviously on the, the other side of this data, but most of us are bad at it. And, and so I was intrigued when you talked about how it's a science-based approach. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of like walk us through, like, what does that mean? Yeah. So here's the thing. 
everything that's happening, right, typically has some reason that it's ultimately happening. Yeah. And when I started digging into why are referrals happening, like why did I not get any with my first business that made it four years, but not five, right? And yep. why am I getting them now? And I started unpacking that. What I realized is that there is always a process and it's rooted in three things that are happening and they're all based on science. And the first one is when a referral source, which is what we call the people who refer you. So when a referral source is like, hey, Kyle, I have this client for you that they absolutely have to hire you. When that's happening and you're receiving that referral, it's not about you. Mm. It's not about you getting another client. What that's about is the happiness trifecta in your referral sources brain being triggered. And that's three chemicals in the brain that are being triggered, triggered and released at the same time that are making you feel good because helping someone who has a problem. Oh, right. You need to feel more comfortable in video. I got your guy. Right. Like that's what that looks like. And so when I'm talking to someone and they're like, I have to do more video, but it makes me want to go back to bed thinking about having to do it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know exactly who you have to talk to. Kyle's going to solve all your problems. This is going to be great. I'm going to connect you guys. You should, you should connect, right? You should consider hiring him. In that moment, I'm not helping you. Mm. Who I'm helping is my friend who has a problem. And that lights up the part of the brain where the chemicals are released that are called the happiness trifecta, not my word. That's like a scientist word. The happiness trifecta where we feel good because we're helping. That's the first thing that's happening. The second thing that's happening is the psychology of trust. And most people think, oh yeah, you got to trust me to refer to me, which means you got to know everything about my business. Nope. I have to trust you because we have a relationship, which is actually very different than knowing about all your surfaces and all your offers and exactly how your client experience works. Now you do crappy work, or you provide a really choppy client experience and I hear about it, it's going to ding the trust I have in you. But ultimately to refer to you, I don't get it. I don't need to know everything about your business, but I do have to have a relationship with you mm. so that I can trust you. So it's really digging in and understanding when I say psychology of trust is the second piece of science. It's not what people think. It's the relationship side. And then the third piece is behavioral economics. And behavioral economics is actually what we use when we're helping our clients craft their referral plan for how they're going to generate referrals. And it comes into the language. It comes into what we do, how we do it, when we do it, the cadence of what we do. And we really look at that behavioral economics, but we look at it from the the good side, not the evil manipulation side. Like, ooh, take advantage of reciprocity. We don't use reciprocity within our processes because we think that's evil to take advantage and manipulate somebody who had a really good experience with you. And so we look at other pieces, surprise and delight, the variety piece. There's other pieces that kind of go into it to be able to occupy space in the mind of your referral source, because ultimately the strategies we teach, that's what they're doing. They're allowing you in good ways, in memorable, in meaningful ways, in authentic ways, in genuine ways. They're allowing you to occupy more space in your referral source's mind. So they actually think about you when the time comes to refer you. And then when you are able to occupy that space, you're impacting then how they feel. And that's giving you permission to start directing how they think. And that's how the what we do from that science perspective and the language we use kind of all fits together. Okay. So I feel like in that in that third, that third box, right? That that's going to probably be where most of the paid stuff exists, right? So (laughs) 
Yeah. So I don't, I'm not even going to try to tap into that box. We're going to just get people ready to open that box and, and jump in the program. And so what, where I want to dig into is like the, the trust piece, mm-hmm. because I just, I just released my first book five days ago. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. And so it's, it's a it's, beast to write a book. It, so it's sitting right up here. It's not a huge book. So, you know, it my- wasn't quite as beasty, you know, have you seen mine? I, I actually, I bought it this morning. It's thin. So it's thin too. So. I can't wait to get it. It doesn't the, mean it's not powerful just because it's small. So, you know, I, I agree. You know, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So it's interesting, right? Everyone is for you until like you write a book <laughs> and then you very quickly see, at least in my opinion, who really is for you and who's not. Right. Because I can see who's sharing it, who's creating posts going, oh, my gosh, guys, you've got to go buy this book from my friend Kyle. And then you watch who the crickets are from. And the way my brain works is what's the difference between those two groups of people? Like, why does this group trust me way up here? But for whatever reason, this other group doesn't quite trust me enough. And so when you, you know, when trust is such a big piece to the referral process, what should our actionable items be to continue to grow trust with people? Okay. So I want to unpack what you just said. Yeah, and are, sure. you, are you open to, to having your thinking completely changed to how 100%. you think Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. Anytime we ask someone to do something for us, what we have to recognize, like you're asking them to share your book, whether they would share it without you asking or not. Right. And I know this, I went through a book launch too. They are brutal. It is like, oh my goodness. Can people not just hit the post button, please? Right. I totally get it. (laughs) Um, I've totally been there. Um, And that first week is so very important as well as all the pre-sale weeks. But when you are asking, whether it's for a referral or for somebody to like share your book with the world, you have to recognize in that moment, it's actually not based on trust. Okay. What it's based on is that you're now asking them to do work for you. Mm, Okay. And so sometimes you asking them to do work for you and they're saying no, or don't do it has nothing to do with you other than the fact they got a lot of their own work to do and they're just not making space for it. To be able to move past that sense of, yeah, of course. Yeah, let me hit post, right? It is part of making it easy for them, which I'm sure you did. But it also comes down to the relationship piece that you have. And that is a little bit where the trust factor comes into place. But it's the relationship you have with them. And it's the strength of that relationship. And more than likely, it has to do with, in that moment, well, Kyle's done so much for me of course I will hit post and do this Yeah. versus somebody who's like, Hey, we have a relationship, but like we never helped each other. We've never actually done anything for each other. Right. There is that level of some people are just, they're going to hit post and they're your champions and they're unicorns and we love them and we wish we could duplicate them. Right. We have this concept inside our program called power referral sources. They send you double digit or more referrals every year. And everyone's goal is to find another one and duplicate them. And they are like unicorns. They're not just hanging out on the street corner being like, let me be your power referral source. Right. And so it's hard and it's not easy to duplicate them. And sometimes you only get one and some businesses never get one. 
it's the same thing with this. Sometimes you have the people who will always promote and post and just do it because you ask them and that relationship is there and there was some taking care of each other along the way that they'll just post, right? So there's some who'll do it no matter what. Some who'll do it because the relationship is there. Others who aren't doing it, maybe the relationship isn't there and now you've just given them work and one more thing to do and they're just choosing not to. But it doesn't mean that they don't appreciate you, that they don't like you, that they don't trust you. It doesn't have anything to do with their trust. It could have everything to do with other things going on in their world as well. Okay. So can we, I love, I, I love when I get to be the, like the butt of the joke, you know, the one that like gets told they're doing it wrong. Uh, it's <laughs> cause it's more, it's, it's the most fun for the audience, I think. And so <laughs> could we do, and obviously, right. You and I've already talked about, there's, there's always just going to be things that you can't share, you know, in this environment and everybody gets that, but right. I'd love to do like an activity for a second where if we say, okay, Stacy, if this is a year ago and, and you and I knew each other a year ago and I said, Hey, I've got a book launch coming up in a year. What are some things that I can begin to instill that will, you know, do these three things, right? Help, help recognize that referrals are not about me. It's about them. Breed trust, right? The, the, the happiness trifecta, all like, are there a few just practical things that you would say, okay, Kyle, if you do nothing else, you've got to start doing this. Okay. So using your example, there is a couple of things that I would want you to consider. Number one is in this case, right? You are asking people to share your book when the time comes because of a book launch. So that is a direct ask. You're not asking for referrals. So we're not even talking about the same thing. Right. We are legit talking about something different. It's like it's like when people say, OK, I can't ask for referrals. So does that mean I can't ask for testimonials? And I'm like, why? They're not the same thing. Yeah. Yes, you can ask for testimonials and reviews. Okay. No, you cannot ask for referrals. So right. asking someone to share your book as part of a book launch is not I want your audience to hear me clearly say this. It is not the same thing as asking for a referral, because when you ask for a referral, you're asking me to put my reputation on the line with somebody I know. Right. And that's okay. different. Okay. Me sharing, right, your book or me giving you a testimonial, that's just me on the line. It's not my reputation with somebody else who may spend money with you. And yep. that's a big difference. But okay. in this case, from a book launch perspective, right, a couple of things I want you to think about. Number one is always acknowledge what you're actually asking them to do. Hey, this is going to take a little bit of work. This is going to take some time. I want you to know I'm super appreciative if you're able to make the time, right? Understand what it's like to be in their shoes on the receiving end of this mm -hmm. ask. Second thing is give them an out. Always give people an out. That's good. Lots of times they won't take it, but if they need to, they will so appreciate you and it'll protect your relationship moving forward for maybe they'll come out big for you with book launch number two, right? When you write book number two. Right. And then the third thing is, and it's actually the underlying premise of what we teach in one of our strategies, which is the strategy is called referring machines, but it's how we teach people how to take people who've never referred you. So clients and contacts, they've never referred you. And you're like, yes, but Kyle's never referred me, but I want him to. How do I make him? Right. That's usually the question. Yeah. Yeah. How do I get him to refer me? There's actually a strategy that we teach in there. It's the underlying objective 
of how we show up. We have somebody who's never referred us, but we want them to. And yes, there's a strategy and there's language and there's all these pieces, but the underlying objective is how can you help them? Mm. So when I teach somebody, okay, here's what I want you to say and when I want you to say it and how I want you to identify these people. And here's how you're going to have your first conversation with them. And here's how the follow-up's going to look. Underlying through all of that, it's not you teaching them about your business. It's not you under- them making sure they understand who your ideal client is. It is reverse of that. It is the opposite of what everybody else is teaching. And I'm, I'm telling them, how do you help them? Mm. How do you impact how they feel about you? Well, the only okay. way you impact how someone feels about you is by doing things for them. Sometimes yeah. you don't know what to do for them. Sometimes you got to ask, hey, how can I help you? So if you know you got a book launch coming up in a year and you know you've got a list of 50 people, you may not take all 50, but you may look at some of those and be like, wait, I need to be more cognizant of these humans as I move through the next 12 months because I do know I have an ask coming up that I want them to know that I am genuinely okay. asking for their help and I want them to do to do this thing for me in that way. Make it about them and help them. But here's the thing, Kyle, you can't be dead inside, which means you got to mean it. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be authentic. And you also have to understand you're going to kiss a lot of frogs before you reach your prince and your princesses Mm. that will ultimately do the thing you're hoping they do because not everybody will say yes. It's just not possible. Like it's just not how it's all going to stack up. And so it is paying attention to those things and realizing what the relationship ultimately looks like. You know, you like you nailed it by saying like, well, you've nailed all of this, <laughs> but the the dead inside piece, right? Like I like my my audience is very heavy with realtors and lenders mm-hmm. and nobody has better sales training than them. And I think sometimes we we almost train ourselves to be dead inside because we, we get so, I think, victimized by like, we don't want to hear no's. And so I like the more we turn off our emotions, the more I turn my heart off now, no's don't affect me as greatly. And I think that's the natural way to cope with that. But I do think it, it tends to cause me to stop caring if I'm not careful about other people. Like, is there any, is there any truth to that? You know, it's interesting. And you said something really interesting at the very beginning. And you said about, you know, a lot of my audience has real estate agents and lenders in it, and nobody has better training than them. A huge group of people that I work with are lenders and real estate agents, but for the opposite reason, because they've been overtaught and overbeat up on how to generate, in my world, referrals, right? They've been overtaught how to ask. They've been overtaught how to do pop buys and drop-offs. They've been overtaught how to put stickers on that say, don't keep me a secret. They've been overtaught how to do things that does not align with who they are. And so they don't do it. They pretend because they're supposed to hit metrics, but usually they're not doing it. And they are typically drawn to me because they're like, this is the opposite and I can feel good. I don't have to be dead inside. So I think you're right. I think that- you know, it's sometimes when you are at a place where you're like, this doesn't feel good. We have to pay attention to, well, do you think you're an anomaly or do you think other people feel that way? And just because something's been taught in your industry for the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years, does that actually mean it's going to work for you? Right. I mean, and paying attention to that and being like, I just, I need something different. You know, I don't have every real estate agent and every lender or not in all of my programs, 
but they, the ones that want something different, the ones that are showing up. And I've got agents from, in, from companies that you'd be like, no, wait, they teach referrals a very specific way. And they follow one very specific model. Right. What are they? There's like, they're cheating. What are they doing over there with you? I'm like, because they don't want to do it that way. And nobody right. else is telling them that there's an option within that industry. So they find it. What is your, uh, we all have those little pet peeves, you know, inside of what we do, those cringe moments. <laughs> like what is your like m- number one cringe way that people go after referrals the wrong way? Oh, one. You want me just to give you one? You, know, you could get, you know, we could have, you know, we could go through your top 10 if, if you'd like. Oh my gosh. I, there's so many ways. It's funny. I, I've got an episode that I'm working on. It'll come out later on my podcast, Roadmap to Referrals. And it's actually titled, Do This, Not That for Love Referrals. It. And because I see these things and they just, oh, yeah. they just irk me. I mean, you can imagine I'm, I'm a pretty energetic and passionate person as it is. You can imagine what it looks like when I get fired up and, you know, peed off as sure. well. Right. Um, on the other side, it's some of the things I'll just go with one that I've seen. There's so many. The asking piece drives me crazy. Of course, when somebody I actually have been on the phone with people and I know them and they then ask me for a referral or they leave a voicemail and they ask me for a referral. And I'm like. Do you even know what I do? Like, yeah. Of course, that's going to offend me. <laughs> it should offend everybody, but it's definitely going to offend me. So the asking piece is a big one only because I know it's damaging the relationship. And I know that I just don't want that for people. Um, the other thing is, is I see people send these emails and they're like, hey, I would love your referrals. Please send me all your referrals. This would be amazing. And I'm like, in an email, massly sent to thousands of people. And whether right. you're compensating me for them or not, doesn't really matter. But it's like, it's that I just want whatever's simple. So yeah. I'm going to go for the easy button and do whatever's simple. And I'm going to completely like not pay attention to or neglect the damage I'm doing in the process. That drives me bonkers. Me too. I, I, I wanted you to say when, when realtors use the entire back of their business card to just simply put, I love your referrals. Oh, okay. Well, there's another one. You know, it's funny. I was, I have a client that's in my coaching program and she, um, we do weekly question and answer. So anytime somebody has a question okay. about anything they're learning from me or anything they're trying to do in their business, that's referral based. We are live and we hop on, we record it. So there, you know, people can access it later. And so she brought um, one of those flyers, like the direct mail pieces and it, you can't really customize them, but the bottom said something about referrals. And she was like, this piece I can customize. And I was like, I will get on a plane and fly to Portland and have a field day if you mail that card out with that ask for a referral at the bottom. I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind. And she's like, I know, that's why I want you to tell me what to say. And so she literally said that as we were were walking through it, I was like, here's three other options. And she was like, why aren't these the options the company's providing me? I'm like, because they're not paying me for that information, I guess. But the reality of it is that is one that drives me crazy. Yes. That we we could have done a whole episode just on all the cringe worthy ways that that we do this, and I I would like to add that I have I haven't asked anyone to share my book just so because like you're the master of this, so I don't want you thinking illy of me. No, I, I have asked no one to share it, so all the people that have shared it are just doing it out of the goodness because right. that this is why I I loved you so much from the moment that I was told about you was because I am so anti asking anybody for business 
for, for, for a multitude of reasons. And so I, what I feel like people will think as they listen to this is they'll go, okay, you know, I'm, I'm kind of vibing with Stacy, but like, this feels like this could get expensive fast Oh, because it, right, question. Like, it, because it feels like what she's going to tell me is like, I need to make a list of the people that have referred me business in the last 12 months. And then I need to start, you know, discovering like, what do they love? What do they like? How can I intentionally gift to the, like, that's where my brain goes and yeah. I'm assuming other people's brain. So, and I know that you've probably had thousands of people say that to you. Yep. So what's your response to, to like that mindset when they're looking at this? Okay. So here's the thing. What people overestimate is what it actually takes to impact mm. how a referral source will feel. They overestimate. They assume, okay. right, that I got to go buy them a bunch of gifts that I got to go give them a bunch of, you know, pop by gifts and I got to be dropping off little things all the time, or I got to constantly be calling them, or I got to constantly, there is a cadence to how this works and the way we teach it. Cause guess what? I'm a business owner too. And I'm super busy as well. Yeah. And I want all the referrals I can get to the way we teach it. And we have strategized and systematized over the last 12, sorry, over the last 10 years, I want it to be 12 years. It's only 10. Um, over the last 10 years is this idea that you can do outreach to your referral sources five, six, maybe seven times in a year. And as long as that outreach is memorable and meaningful, mm. you can do one outreach to all of your referral sources and it feel individualized and personalized when I receive it. But yeah, that's what the- that means we do well, that's where we get into a whole other level of science. And we start talking about our framework that we teach our clients yeah. about, okay, what does that look like so that you can have the impact, do less things, do the same thing for everybody, but it still be impactful. Yes. And as long as you come from a place of genuineness, like here's the number one question you and all your listeners need to ask themselves before they go any further. Do I believe I need to be taking care of the people who make my life easier by referring business to me? Mm. If the answer is yes, then you need to be doing something to take care of them. What I don't need is a big old budget. Shoestring budgets are fine. Don't yeah. overestimate what it looks like to take care of people in a meaningful and meaning a, me- a memorable and a meaningful way. Don't also underestimate it too. You can't send out every single month. You cannot send me every month a card that you never signed that a third party sent out for you and think I'm, you're going to be touching my heart and getting what? my referrals, right? You're killing and, people right now, Stacy. I know, I know, and I know. But again, I, I mean, we have this stuff down to the numbers. Yeah. For the people who have referral sources and they are sending out their five, six, or seven touch points, the average number of hours, depending on what those touch points are, because there better be variety. We're not taking people to coffee six times a year. Nobody has time for that, including yourself, right? right? So when we look at what time our clients are spending on the execution of these touch points five or six or seven times in a year, they're averaging, depending on what they're doing, somewhere between 25 and 35 hours in a year. Wow. Right now, some are more because they're just sure. like that. Some have way more referral sources. So then the hours will, you know, just because of volume, like if you have 12 referral sources versus 75, there's obviously some difference in that volume. 
But at the end of the day, this is about you recognizing you can take care of your referral sources and do it in a way that's meaningful and memorable. And it feels individualized when they receive it, but yet still not cost you a ton of time and money, but you have to have the right strategy. So good. It, you, you're, you're making me think about you know, how realtors and, and lenders, right? My audience, and it sounds like a lot of your audience as well, the way they misuse closing gifts, right? And they'll, they'll go get a $50 bottle of wine or a $50 gift card. And that's what, what they give to people, you know, that just made them thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And so is there, is there something that you could say quickly to uh, shift the mindset of the closing gift strategy for someone? Part of me wants to be like, go big or go home. Yeah. But I I also don't want to overwhelm anyone either with that response. Okay. The truth is, is that if you're working with a first time home buyer, more than likely they don't don't even know they're supposed to get a closing gift. Right. So consider, consider how and when you use that, right. In other ways, you don't have to do a closing gift, but guess what, Kyle, if somebody's listening, they're like, I love my closing gifts and people like, they tell me they like it, then do it. Yeah. I'm not interested in breaking anything, right? That's not working. And I think for, from that perspective though, especially if you have repeat clients who are coming back to you and you kind of set that stage of like, there's a closing gift, just can you take seven minutes and maybe think about something that would actually be impactful for them Yeah. versus, and it, what could be impactful for, you know, Sarah and Sam down the street that you just closed their house can still be impactful, right? For Leslie and Lynn up the street as well. Like the idea there is that what can be impactful can just, maybe it's a little, you thinking a little bit more about it versus the sure. easy go to, here's your doormat. Here's your bottle of wine. Yep. Right. Like, so if you want to do them, do them. Right. Actually, when we bought the house we're in, we call it the house that COVID bought because it checked none of our boxes, but we had to get out of the apartment we were in because <laughs> we sold our house before COVID. Um, I remember our agent didn't give us a closing gift. And I was like, well, Really? I wanted to give that. He was, a, he was a friend and he was an amazing agent. And t- honestly, he didn't need to give us a closing gift, but the one before that did. And I kind of sure. remembered it. Right. So, like, yeah. if you think you should do them, do them, but don't do the ones that everybody else is doing. Try to be unique Yeah. if it's important to you. And guess what? If you're not going to do a closing gift, that's fine too. Part One of the things we teach is your client experience is different from the plan you have in place to take care of your referral sources. But you do have within your client experience moments where you could be capturing potential referrals if you knew what to say and what to do in those moments. Right. Guess what? Almost none of them are like, you got to go spend money on that client. Wow. So some of them can be, but they don't have to be. I can't wait to personally jump in the program and check all this out. We would love it. Whether you do an online coaching program or online program, we'd love to. Yeah. Well, so I, Stacey, I want to shift gears selfishly to to what I do for a living, right? Because I told you before we hit record. Like you obviously do tons of video because it's all over your website. I watched <laughs> one of your trainings, prep, you know, preparing for for our time together. But then I was on your Instagram, <laughs> and there's some video there, but there's not as much as I would think there should be for someone that's good at doing video. 
Yeah. And so, you know, what, what's that all about? What, what gives? Yeah. yeah. So I was telling you before we hit record, I actually went to college with a singular focus that I was going to be the next Katie Couric. Wow. So I did children's theater as a child. I got, I hosted a teen show, a teen TV show on the weekends in my hometown for a couple of years while in high school. And I was like, someone's got to take Katie Couric's place. It's going to be me. Like That's I'm right. ready. And I went to college. I got a broadcast journalism degree. So being in front of the camera, being on stage is actually something that is within my superpowers and comes naturally to me. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, so... because you asked the question and it's super important that I'm honest. That's right. For where I am in life right now, the biggest question I ask on a daily basis is, do I have to do hair and makeup for that? And if it involves hair and makeup, I'm like, we can probably push that off, which means I'm in a really bad place of a habit of pushing off what I can do easily and what I know would be very powerful. But we all have a blind spot as a business owner. Absolutely. That one is mine. It's not even a blind spot. It's like flashing at me all the time. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I mean, truthfully, when we finish this interview, I have a milestone call, coaching call, one-on-one call with one of my coaching clients. And then after that, I really should probably hit record and do some videos. Just bust out a reel, you know? But I won't. And so here's the thing. I do do reels. They are very much more sporadic um, and they're not hard. And I figured out how to use that stupid Instagram app so I could get all the captions right. Like that took some time. I also hate technology. That's my other thing. So if I know how to use it, if I don't, I'm like, I never was going to be on Periscope. I was never going to do Clubhouse. I want TikTok to die. I want all the new things that are coming out. Like, can we just stick with LinkedIn and some Instagram and maybe some Facebook and just call it a day? Like, oh I my just, gosh. that's so these, this, you asked for the baggage. Here's yeah, all the baggage. I love it. Right. I Here's all the baggage. It. So I'll tell you my virtual assistant who does my, she is my sole virtual assistant for social media. She's going to listen to this interview and she'd be like, preach, Kyle. Preach, get Good. her to do more videos because she's on me all the time. She was What's like, her name? Her name is Kathy. Kathy, we are going to be friends if you listen <laughs> to this. Okay. She's amazing. And she does all the time. She's like, why isn't that a video? Like I have my own podcast. And most of the time it's just, I do solo shows. I don't do interview based. Okay. Shows. But when I do interview someone, it's usually because they're a client. And literally this year she was like, turn on the camera so I can put some stuff on your YouTube channel. You're not recording your podcast in video form? No, because I like to sit here, not oh, looking like this, gosh. looking at this and just riffing. I don't riff. I actually but, so what, but what I did this say... year we have this year. We've turned it on for the interviews and okay. now they're being populated to our YouTube channel. But So what, what's your opinion on? Because like one of the things that I coach is, is like just Uber authenticity mm-hmm. and and so, you know, it's, it's, and I know for women, it's different, right? Like I can put a hat on and, and it doesn't change anything, right? Versus having my hair done today. You know, for, for women, it's different. For my wife, it's very different. But there's a whole group of women out there now that are, are living in their authenticity, right? So it's like if you're recording a podcast and you got your hair pulled back and you're in a T-shirt and yoga pants because you're, you know, you just went to the gym or you're going after you record, like I think that's uber attractive now to the right audience. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? So I agree with that, but I don't I haven't bought into it yet. Okay. And I blame my mother. Freaking moms. 
I um, got just enough vanity of an issue with vanity <laughs> from my mother. My mother is fabulous. And my mom on her 50th birthday, somebody asked her, are you 40 yet? Wow. So I, I like appreciate the jeans, mom, like love you for that. But she never went out of the house to this day. She's 75. She doesn't go out of the house without her face on. It's kind yeah. of my daughter and my kind of joke with her because I will go out the door without my face on. I yeah. just won't put a camera in front of it. And so I, I think I have this little issue. It's like a mindset, right? It's like a mindset belief, a mindset issue. That's a little bit of, of a belief factor. Yeah. That's like, I got to have my face on. I got to look good. Um, the other thing is, is that it doesn't happen as much anymore, but it used to. I don't see it as much anymore, but I used to see it. When you don't look good on video, people make comments. Like, I don't see that hate stuff as much as I did like five years ago yeah. or like eight years ago or 10 years ago. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, and I think the other thing is, is that I think it works better for some people. And I don't know if it is actually contributing to why people decide to buy from me or why they don't. I'll tell you, yeah. if you get into my program, you show up to my coaching calls, you'll see me without makeup and a hat on. Like, you're already a client. Like you're already there. You're, you're there for my brain. Right. You are not there for what I look like. And I know right. that. So I don't mind, but you know, and I don't know if it matters. Like, I don't know it either matter that 50% of my audience are men and 50% are women in terms of who, who buys my, my programs. And do they care? I don't know. I just have never decided to dive into it. I think and we I need just to found, find out. Well, possibly. Probably not though, Kyle. I think this may be a rock <laughs> I go to die on. <laughs> oh, I love it. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I love it. I this is this is really like this is why I wrote my book, right? Because this is we all struggle with this, and uh, and so I'm excited to to read your book because I think it's going to help me immensely, and I'm going to send you a copy of my book because Please I think do. it will it will begin though you know the way you kind of retaught me reframed right earlier in the episode about how I was looking at my audience and who shared and who didn't. Right. That's, that's a big deal, you know, to, to just have that slight shift. And there might be a shift in there with some of this video stuff that you might go, huh, this Kyle guy might be onto something. I mean, you know, if there's an increase in reels, we're going to, we'll attribute it to you. I hope so. And if there's a decrease, do not attribute it to me. So you can keep that to yourself. I will say not knowing when this episode goes live, if anybody is watching this in April of 2023, you're not going to see hardly anything in the grid because we're doing a very special promotion on these 30 ways to take control of your referrals. And I specifically cool. wanted my grid to just be those 30 ways. Yeah. Uh, but after that, you know, there'll be more. It doesn't mean, you know, we can't throw some video in our stories. You know, I mean, it's, you know what, if Instagram really wants me to do all the things, they should make it one thing, not reels and not stories and not posts and not all the things like I just, I, okay, let me just get really, really honest. Air it out. My, yep. my iPhone, mm -hmm, it is four weeks old. I have been an Android girl and a PC girl. I will still be what? forever. Like, and I don't like this thing. Not a fan of it. It doesn't work the way my Android works. iPhone users, we got another one. We yes. got another. So why did okay, you Okay, but I want you to know, I only went to the dark side because I have children. And our kids can't get phones until Christmas of their eighth grade year. And okay. so my boys got phones, not this past Christmas, because they're both in ninth grade, but the year before. And my daughter's going into eighth grade this year. Okay. And I can't FaceTime them. I couldn't talk to them the way I wanted to. I couldn't track them the way I wanted to be like that mom. 
And so I had to suck it up and go to the Apple side. I didn't want to though. I went kicking and screaming. You're going to love it. That out there. You're, you'll, I think you will love it. Um, That's what everybody says, but I'm four weeks in and I don't agree. Well, so we'll see. this is a good conversation for people to have, you know, to hear on here. You know, if you stay with the PC, you may never love it because the, what I love most about my Apple, like I actually went to an Android two years ago mm-hmm. because it is a better phone. It's a right. better camera. Like iPhone users don't want to say it, but like for all the phone things, it's way better. But the moment I went to it, my laptop didn't talk to my iPad, which didn't talk to my yeah. phone, which didn't talk to my Apple Watch. And my life was in disarray and I, yeah. I couldn't handle it. And so I had to go back. And so I I think for you, if you don't adopt like the, the, the Mac laptop, like that's the beauty to me of the iPhone is just right. the way it marries to everything. So you might just, you know, hate it. The I know. Whole time. I mean, I have found some workarounds, which is great. I mean, thank goodness for Google Drive because it does make everything talk. Yeah. No matter what. Okay. So Stacey, before before we just lose this episode and okay, yes. people are like, what are we doing now? What's what happening? are we talking about? Who what are we gonna talk about pets next or what? How <laughs> how do people connect to you? What's the greatest place for that? Yeah. So if they're listening to your podcast, they're probably podcast listeners. So I would say the best place to start is just add one more podcast to your lineup of shows that you listen to. Mine's called Roadmap to Referrals. We've been, we're four years going strong. We're over 250 episodes. So there's lots to catch up on. Um, That's usually the best place to start being like, do I want to listen to the Stacey person? Do I want her in my ears? Do I want her in my life? Um, From there, of course, you can read the book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking, Home base is the website. It's my full name, stacybrownrandall.com. Check that out. Everything you need is on there as well. But, you know, just go add roadmap to referrals to your play next list and give Done. me a shot. Stacy, you're you are awesome. So I know I know you're busy and and so it, it's just it's been an absolute honor. I, I feel like I could spend another hour like cuz there's still things on my tablet that I didn't even get to ask you about which I'm frustrated Wait, I'll, by. I'll come back if you need me to. Okay. Deal. But you, you're awesome. And I, I I really appreciate you being on here with me. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'll come back without my hair and makeup done. We'll see. Yes. <laughs> and I'll come on without my hair and makeup done. And it'll be an incredible party. It's so unfair. Guys, quit asking for referrals. Stop it. Talk to Stacy. Get your crap worked out and then be back next week for another cool episode with probably not as cool of a person, but we're going to do our best. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow and reach out to my guest. Also, please consider sharing and leaving a review wherever you consume this content, because this is the world we live in and your review online for others to see is invaluable for the success of this show. And remember, you're amazing. Talk to you soon.